I'm Chip Freud, and this is the Artist Spotlight, conversations with contemporary artists based on five simple questions that explore the artist's journey, creativity, and sources of inspiration. Welcome to another episode of the Artist Spotlight Podcast. I'm Chip Freund, and today I'm joined by Lynn Miller-Jones. Lynn is an award-winning artist. Her oil paintings walk the line between realism and abstraction. Often her work appears photorealistic from a distance, but upon closer inspection, one becomes aware of paint, gesture, and process. This is a real special treat for me. Lynn and I were friends going all the way back to elementary school. But as often has been the case, we drifted apart over the years, but social media connected us once again. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you. Absolutely. Likewise, likewise. But like I say, this is a a real special treat to have uh, somebody that I've known for many years. We won't reveal how many that is. (laughs) As we do with each episode, um, can you share with the audience a little bit of uh, a project maybe you're working on now something maybe you just finished so right now i'm working on a large painting large for me is my largest is 48 by 48 because that's what i could fit in my minivan um so that's that's my limiting factor i'm i'm working on a large painting for a show i have coming up in november um at alma gallery in chicago which is where i live um So it's a large water painting from a a series I've worked on in the past. It's just really, it's fun to be working big. Are there any unique challenges to working big in oil? Um, It just takes a lot of paint to cover the canvas for one thing. Um, But it's, it's really, it's fun, you know, because you, you can use big brushes and make large gestures and stand back and, uh, it's not a little fussy thing. So I'm I'm very much enjoying actually having having the need to work on this one for a deadline. Well, excellent. Excellent. Well, our my first question is, what is your earliest memory of making art of any kind? I was thinking about that and I I can't tell if this is actually my memory or because I've seen photographs of myself doing this. My mom, when I was really small, and I mean like three or four, did lots of crafts with me or would set me up to do lots of crafts. And I remember doing a lot of finger painting. And she was just very encouraging of of drawing and finger painting. And um, as I got older and really obviously showed an interest in making art, she would buy like copy paper. You know, so we would just have reams of cheap paper around because I would just go through it like, you know, there's no tomorrow. And if you were actually buying art quality paper, it would have been pretty expensive. Yeah. So type typewriter paper is what I would draw on all through childhood. And any particular subjects of interest when you were doing your drawing back then? Uh, I drew a lot of... I guess in some ways at the time it would be, or now you'd think of it as almost fan fiction. I would draw, you know, storylines from TV shows I watched or movies I'd seen or books I'd read, um, which is, you know, interesting that it was so narrative because I don't do narrative art now. At the time, that's what I was doing. And then as I got older, I I started like copying faces out of magazines and, and things like that. And that's how I sort of, Perfected my, well, perfected, Uh, got into realism (laughs) as a teenager. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Well, continuing that that journey, our, our next question gets to, you know, you're an oil painter today. What brought you to that media and why? You know, I honestly don't remember the first time I started using oil paints. It was in college. I had done um, a lot of drawing classes throughout high school. I took a bunch of classes at the Cleveland Institute of Art every summer and Saturdays and and when I, when I first went to college, I didn't study art. I was thinking I'd be pre-med. You know, I have a lot of medical people in my family and sort of thought I'd go that route. I just really didn't like those classes <laughs> that I had to take to do that. And I started gravitating towards art classes in college and ended up majoring in art after all. And in the course of that time, I think... It, you know, the, the teachers there just encouraged starting with oils. I think that's what the painting mm. classes were, you know, they were oil classes and um, worked in oils for that whole period of my life. And then, as you know, or as, as we've talked, we, I, I took a long break in the middle. I, I worked in commercial art for a while. I worked in the fashion industry and that, that was gouache painting, which is a whole nother interesting, you know, media to work in. And, and then I took a total turn and went back to medicine and went to nursing school and worked as a nurse for a long time. And then when I went back to painting, I was painting in my house. And so I was using acrylics because they're, you know, not smelly. And they just weren't as satisfying for me. They don't have some of the transparency, I, I guess, in a, in a really skilled hand, you can get a lot of the same qualities out of acrylics, but it just feels easier to me to do in oils. So that's what I do. I like the quality of them. Mm. And I like the way they smell, actually. <laughs> <laughs> One of the uh, oil painters I had on recently shared a, uh, a tip to get away from the, uh, the mineral spirits for cleaning of using walnut oil. Yeah, I've tried using some of the the non-toxic ways of cleaning. I I paint with a non-toxic solvent. It's not a solvent, it's a medium that's basically safflower oil. There's there's a liquidy one and then there's a gel one, a gel medium. And they're both safflower oil based. And they also impart a little sheen to the paint, which is, you know, not not like glossy, but it's it's just a little bit of a sheen that's very lovely. But I still need the mineral spirits to or terpenoid to clean the brushes because it just seems to work the best for me. Hmm. Well, this brings us to uh, one of my uh, other favorite questions, which is what inspires your art? Where does it come from? There's certainly been some uh, like your, your water series. I just, you know, they find them almost mesmerizing in their, their rhythms and, and use of light. Where, where does that inspiration come from? Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I have thought about that a lot because it's, it's funny, you know, when you, when you make art, you kind of, and you may find this also that you just, you just do what you like. And then somebody asks you why you're doing that. And you, it's really sort of hard to figure out why you do it. It's just, it comes naturally to you that, that way of looking at things. I, think I've always looked for pattern, patterns and, and patterns of light, patterns of shapes. And 
you know, when I would be, when I was in college and was doing uh, figure drawing, I never just drew the figure. I'd draw like the woman's calf and the way the, the chair curved right there. I've just, I would choose a little tiny portion of it. And in doing that, I was sort of looking for the patterns and the darks and the lights, but also slightly abstracting the image. It wasn't, you know, a it was representational, but it wasn't a scene. And I guess that's, that's sort of what I do. I don't look for an entire scene. I would never comfortably paint a landscape where there were mountains and a, a horizon line and, and things in the foreground. It just doesn't come naturally to me at all. I tend to like pull out some little piece of an image. And um, I find myself doing it all the time. <laughs> and so that's, that's what my paintings really are, are pulled out some little piece of something that I found beautiful or interesting. There was a pattern in the colors and the light. And I, I find water really interesting. I've been focusing a lot on water. I have a couple of other series, but a lot of my paintings right now are on water just because there's just this endless variation of, of the way water changes shapes and distorts them and the way color across the surface of water is really unexpected. Even So even if you're painting very realistically, which I pretty much am, I'm painting from photos that I take myself. You, it, you get a very unexpected image. So yeah, that's, and that also tells you something about my process that I, I have my phone with me all the time and I'm always taking pictures. And I mean, to the point of like, it rained and there's a puddle that's interesting. I'm just going to see if there's color across the surface of the puddle. And well, that's the wonder. One of the wonders of t technology today is that we all have a decent camera in our pocket all uh -huh. the time. Uh, I yeah. can't tell you the number of times that, uh, as a professional photographic artist, I get people coming up to me. You know, what kind of camera do you shoot with? What's the best camera? You know, and they're expecting me to give them chapter and verse on a particular make and model. And my answer is to the best camera, it's the one you have with you. Yeah, <laughs> because. I don't care how fancy or wonderful it is. If it's not with you, it's not a good camera because you can't use it. Yeah, you've so, lost the moment. Exactly. So to me, it's a wonderful thing that we all have the ability now to capture images anytime, any place, and the quality keeps getting better. Yeah, yeah. It's my excuse for updating my phone all the time because yeah. oh, I need it for my work. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and there are there are limitations because you can't put different lenses on your cell phone. Although now they come with three or four lenses on them, but it's still not you know the same as you know a big lens. Right. No, it's um, not. But yeah, I would really benefit from having a good telephoto lens. I think, but you know, as you said, I wouldn't necessarily have it with me all the time. Yeah. So. Well, and the fact that you're looking for it for inspiration for painting, you don't necessarily need the level of resolution that you would if you were going to print the image as a as a photograph. You just need enough to give you the inspiration to paint from, I would assume. Yes. I mean, although I do tend to zoom in and, and crop on my photos, yeah. I'll take a photo and then pick some tiny little corner. And if it's too, you know, pixelated, it's not really usable. 
yeah. but um, with you know a current up-to-date phone you really get wonderful photos where you can zoom in pretty closely and still get what you want yeah yeah well there's a whole movement within the landscape photography realm of doing that and shooting with a, a, a telephoto lens rather than a wide angle which is sort of the what everybody initially thinks you're going to shoot with in, in uh, landscape to get the whole big picture but to, to literally just go in and take a piece of it so mm -hmm. that i can relate to that as a as an approach now do photographers feel like that's cheating if you're cropping like that no 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 um because the other thing it's really interesting is photography has a number of different sub disciplines you have um uh photojournalism where mm -hmm. you're literally out capturing the scene to tell the story um you know in a newspaper let's say and in that case you know fidelity to the scene is paramount so there's no photoshopping there's just you the scene is what the scene is mm -hmm. and that's what you need to capture but then you get to what i do which is uh art but utilizing photography as the medium and you know there there are no limits there are no rules uh, other than whatever you apply to yourself and for me um I never put anything into my frames, but if there's something that's distracting, I may clone it out of a frame. And in many cases, it, you know, if I can do it in the physical world, I will. So if there's a, 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 a say a stick in the water that is, you know, as long as it's a dead fallen stick and doesn't have any life on it, I'll pick it up, move it out of the frame, take the picture and then put it back. Um, you know, but if I can't reach it, um, particularly if it's human generated. So if there's garbage, I'll absolutely take that out and pack it out and get rid of it. But there may be situations where I can't get to it. So that'll get cloned out of the frame. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the nice thing about painting. You can just paint it out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and that's why I say it's effectively the same, except instead of doing it with with a brush and paint, you know, mm -hmm. I'm doing it with a mouse click. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, as long as you're full disclosure in what you're doing, it's no different than any other media. Mm -hmm. um, I know some artists that that do a huge amount of photoshopping to the point that it almost doesn't look like a photograph anymore, but it is. Yeah, that's I've definitely I went to a show last night where somebody had done something that was I couldn't even figure out how they'd done it. It was squares on top of squares of different kinds of versions of the same image it was very interesting yeah um and you know i'm not photoshop proficient although i really should be it would help me i think but um yeah figuring out how they did that was it was pretty interesting indeed indeed so uh question number four is what advice would you give to an artist starting out their career a couple of things i think my my first advice would be that if you're young and you're thinking, oh, can I really be an artist? I don't know if, if this is something that is a real practical thing to do, but you really want to, you should just go for it. You should just try it. And I, I don't regret my trajectory 
because I got a lot out of the time when I was doing different kinds of jobs. But as a, as a young person, I knew no one who was a professional artist. So it just never even occurred to me that that could be something I could do um, as a real job. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people starting out and sometimes forever need to do something else to make money. But I think, you know, waitress and then paint or waitress and or do what do something and just give it a shot. And then if it doesn't work out, you can say you've given it a shot and then you can just do it for fun. But I think it's worth it's worth giving it a go. And as part of that same thing, or for any artist, I would say that you really and a lot of a lot of famous people have said this a million times before, but you can't wait for inspiration. You just have to get yourself on a schedule and go to work every day. Um, I mean, I, I'm in my studio every weekday, um, unless, you know, there's some really unusual thing happens, but I, I go every day and some days are incredibly productive. And some days I just can't believe how much time I spend sitting in my chair, you know, not actually putting any paint on the canvas. But, um, and you know, some days I'll be home and I just don't feel like it. Hmm. But if you go to wherever it is you go, whether, whether it's a studio or it's a room in your house or your kitchen table or wherever it is that you work and just are there, I swear 99% of the time I end up getting something done or you will get something done. It just may not start out with, you know, you're not going to start out with big inspiration every single time. It's yeah. just work. So I think sitting home waiting for the, the muse to strike is, is not the way anything ever gets made. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's one of them that I'm, I'm guilty of sometimes that I, I, I do my best work when I'm in a certain flow and mm -hmm. uh, I'll often grab the camera and go out when I'm not there and find it incredibly frustrating. Mm -hmm. So I then talk myself out of doing it, but I know in the long run, I just need to just do it. You just need to do it. I mean, I can't tell you there have been days where I'm like, oh, I'm so not in the mood for this right now, for whatever reason, you know, I, I don't feel all that well, or I don't know, whatever, whatever the reason. The world is upsetting me with various goings on. <laughs> I don't know. There is that. <laughs> There's that. And, and I'll go and even if all I do is clean my studio or, you know, I'll paint the edges of some canvases or I'll gesso something, there's always something to be done. And then usually once I start, I end up having a perfectly good day in the studio and I'll, I'll get something done. Um, and there are always those chores that are not creative chores. Like, you know, you need to stretch a canvas or you need to mat a photo or whatever it is, is that is your, your housekeeping chores. Um, yeah. You can always get those done. True, 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 true. Uh, you got me thinking when you said you didn't know any artists growing up or, you know, I think we probably did, but we didn't know they were artists. So I'll go back to, I think somebody who was a teacher of both of ours, an art teacher, in fact, Carl oh, Crable. I was going to say Mr. Crable. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he was a productive artist. My parents actually have one of his pieces on their wall. Oh. Um, I didn't know that he was a working artist in addition to being a school teacher. But I didn't he, know that either. 
And then wasn't there uh, Malcolm Brown? Malcolm Brown. My parents have a have a Malcolm Brown in the dining room. <laughs> who, who started a gallery in Cleveland? And I didn't I didn't know that. I think somehow our teachers. Um, it would have been good if they told us. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I guess the other piece is there may be other professional adults that we interacted with that were artists that we didn't know they were artists. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you, that to me is a key point that, you know, if you are an artist and you also have a day job, mm -hmm. um, let the young people in your life know that you're an artist. Yes. That's part of the wake you should leave behind you is that that is an, not only an okay part of a life, but in one to be encouraged. Yeah. So people can, you know, a, a high school kid or college kid could really envision what that could look like to do that for their living or not necessarily for their only living, but as part of their artistic world. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. I, and those guys were both favorites of mine as teachers. I think sure. they weren't so intimidating that I could have, you know, I couldn't have asked them if I could go see their studio or go see their, their gallery, but I just didn't even know to ask. Yeah, exactly. Well, that brings us to our last question. And this has been a wonderful time here. But our last question is, what artists would you suggest the audience go check out? It could be somebody you've just recently discovered, one of the old masters that you go back to time and time again, or a personal mentor, somebody that you think we should go check out. I have a couple. I have so most people probably know Richard Diebenkorn, but he is a huge favorite of mine. I would, I would love to be able to own one, but as it is, I just go look at them in museums. They're, they're just the layering of paint. They're just so beautiful. And I like the early ones that were figurative, but I like the, the later, you know, Ocean Park series also, um, and the Berkeley series. And I think it's, it's just the way he uses paint that I really, really love. And then there are two um, contemporary artists. One is um, Alyssa Monks, who's a Brooklyn-based artist. I actually took a workshop class with her. I'm trying to remember how many years ago, not that many years ago. She teaches a workshop out of the New York Academy of Art. And her brush strokes are just the, and the, the way she um, approaches a painting actually changed the way I was painting after doing this workshop. She really taught me a ton about working from photographs. And her use of paint's just just wonderful. It just is so juicy and delicious the way she uses the paint. And then another artist I follow often and, and am inspired by is um, Casey Zavalia. She is a St. Louis artist and she does portraits in embroidery. Mm. And she, her work sort of inspired me to, to go off in that direction a little bit also. So I now have this little side project I'm doing where I'm doing a, I've done needlepoint and knitting and crocheting and all sorts of, you know, quilting and all sorts of um, handcraft stuff for a long time also. And I'm doing a, a needlepoint of one of my paintings. So I have the painting next to me and I'm working from it. And it was, it was her her paintings or her her embroideries that 
sort of inspired me to just give that a shot. Um, and they they just blow your mind. They're really amazing. Oh, I look forward to checking that out. Yeah. Gets me thinking of a an artist who I'd had on the, the show a while back, uh, also originally from Cleveland, but now oh. here in Raleigh, Caitlin Carey. Mm -hmm. um, she does um, uh, fabric paintings, for lack of a better description. It's it's a mixture of needlepoint and quilting uh, to piece together uh, an, a representative image. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, they're remarkable. I'll have to look her up. Oh, I, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of people doing amazing work in sort of traditional women's crafts. You know, like there was this wonderful show at the Art Institute of Chicago, the Visa Butler's exhibit that traveled around the country some that was just, again, just mind blowing. The, the subtlety that she would get with fabric. So there's another person that people should know if they don't already know her. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, it's uh, one of the wonderful things I, I've had about the, the show here is I didn't take any formal um, art in school, mm -hmm. but I get all of these wonderful recommendations of artists to go check out from each of the artists I interview. So mm -hmm. I'm beginning to have an exposure to things that I never had before. And it's, it's, it's been just a fun romp. Yeah. Once you start looking up all the recommendations, it, it sends you down that rabbit hole of, you know, social media recommendations of people to look at. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lynn. This has been a real pleasure. For folks who want to see Lynn's work, and I absolutely encourage you to do this, the best place to start is her website, lynnmillerjones.com. You can also find her on Facebook and Instagram at Lynn Miller Jones Artist. Uh, with that, thank you again, Lynn. And for our audience, you can find links to Lynn's material as well as her artist recommendations in the show notes. And it's available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, wherever you like to listen. Thank you again for joining us and tune in next time for another episode of the Artist Spotlight. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Artist Spotlight with Chip Freund. Find accompanying blog posts at shipfreundphoto.com slash blog, and you may subscribe to our show on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like listening.